This podcast is proudly brought to you by the McLaren Vale Grape Wine and Tourism Association, supporting growers in the McLaren Vale wine region. Hello and welcome to um, Crop Watch. Today um, we're going to just do a summary of the 2020 season and look at the critical points um, that came up and what I think we can learn from and uh, what uh, might be um, sort of the repercussions from the season that's just gone. Well, I'm recording this on a wet day in June 2020. Um, So to kick off, I think we'll jump back a year and look at the winter of um, 2019. Now, the year um, the winter of 2019 on paper um, had about 30 mils less rainfall than average, uh, which was in line with what we've had actually for the, um, the last few years, winter of 2017, winter of 2018, and winter of 2019, all were, were um, within 10% of average for the region, but they weren't particularly wet seasons. A lot of the problem with the winter of um, uh, 2019 was that the rain tended to fall in June and actually after um, late July, there wasn't a lot of rain at all. Um, August was August itself was about 30 mils down in rainfall and that's sort of where the shortfall came in winter. The front part of it was um, adequate and good but then through August um, there wasn't the last little bit of rain we need to kind of um, set up our region. I think um, and one of the old timer kind of uh, indicators of what a good winter was was when the creeks run and unfortunately in um, 2019, certainly the main Peddler Creek waterway didn't um, flood or have a lot of water running down it. And that is, I think, one of the key um, kind of biological indicators to look for to see if we've had a, had a successful year and a good winter. Um, because the winter of 2019 was a little bit below average, there wasn't the, there wasn't the nice runoff um, through um, the creeks, and that meant that water, the water uh, in your soil was close to maximum, but it wasn't at saturation, and, and maybe um, we did start a little bit drier than we'd want. Daytime temperatures were win- for winter were close to average, uh, which meant that bud burst wasn't a lot earlier than was expected and because of average winter temperatures and, and as we rolled into September, uh, it was sort of average for bud burst. There wasn't anything unusual about it. One thing we have noticed, though, is um, frost is becoming more frequent in McLaren Vale. Certainly in the... Um, Spring of 2018, there was there were was some quite significant frost damage in the district, and in 2019 again there was a little bit of frost damage. Uh, most of our area is, is protected well because we have um, we're quite close to the coast, but certainly if you're looking at doing new vineyard establishments anywhere in the um, you know Kangarilla, McLaren Flat, the foothills 
area of sort of around um, up through Peters Creek Road, around into Clarendon. Um, frost protection is something that I think vineyards will now have to consider and deal with, very much so like they're doing in kind of in the northern Barossa. If you take a trip up through Ebenezer and out in that northern part of uh, the Barossa Valley, out through Lights Pass, um, you'll see that where vineyards are being set up, um, they're off, often having frost fans because they're dealing with um, the same factors that we're dealing with here down south in that um, if it's a little bit dry in winter, they're getting frost in early spring uh, and that's what we're sort of seeing the same thing happen. If you jump forward through um, spring, spring, September to November um, in 2020, was dry, not um, abnormally dry. Not again. We don't call it a drought because we weren't we weren't twenty five percent down on our um, average rainfall, but it was certainly not a high pressure wet season. Um, we didn't have a downy mildew primary event all the way through. Um, spring, which makes disease control a lot easier. What was notable, what was noticeable about spring of um, 2019 for the 2020 vintage was it was extremely hot in mid-November, far far hotter than it would typically be at that um, time of year. In fact, on the 20th of November, the Bureau of Meteorology's weather station at Norlunga hit 39.9, which is the, uh, you know, a record for that site. Many of the other weather stations around Adelaide also hit records. Um, just taking a little bit of a digression of um, when we say it's a record hot temperature for Norlunga, um, the Norlunga weather station was set up in the year 2000, so it has 20 years of records. So we know that it was the hottest day in the last 20 years in springtime at that site. Um, unfortunately, if you need longer um, temperature records, you have to use Adelaide or Adelaide Airport. Adelaide Airport was set up in the 1950s as a weather station and um, Adelaide itself has temperature records um, either at Kent Town or um, West Terrace that go back into about 1900. Um, before that they don't like to use temperature records because um, the equipment wasn't, the s temperature wasn't measured the same way um, you know the old man, you can imagine an old mercury thermometer versus the, the kind of technology they have today, it doesn't compare exactly right um, so after that digression yeah we, we know it was the hottest springtime day for the last 20 years um, certainly it was the last um, it's the hottest springtime day, um, Adelaide Airport and Kent Town since the since they were established. So we know that it was abnormally hot. Certainly, um, that kind of heat is not something that is experienced in November. Um, more than a one in a hundred year event in the past. 
Um, it was also very noteworthy how windy it was. On that day, on the 20th, it was um, a very strong northerly wind. Um, and almost immediately, that strong northerly wind switched to being a very strong southwesterly wind. So we really had a windy week, first with a northerly wind and then very strong um, southwesterly winds as a, a front came in to um, obviously cool the area down. Now, um, that was very ill-timed because those days, the 20th of November is basically the peak of flowering. Um, that's 80% catfall dates for many of, your, many of your vineyards. So having extremely high winds and an extremely high temperature at that period uh, is, is highly likely to have um, affected the crop in your vineyard. We certainly saw um, problems with Tempranillo set and we saw some problems with Cabernet Sauvignon set. Uh, you may also have seen that in other varieties as well. Um, and if I was looking for a most likely cause, I would say extremely high winds just at a, at a poor time in flowering and with a large, you know, with a, with a large heat event as well, sort of further complicating things. If I jump now onto summer, the summer of 2019-2020... Um, started out with our region again setting new temperature records during December. Uh, our new record temperature was set in the daytime at 43.4 um, at Norlunga and um, we also broke the overnight temperature record when we had a day that was 31, the temperature did not go below 31 and that was the 19th to the 20th of December. Um, overall, December had nine days above 35 degrees. Normally, um, our wine region using the Nolunga site records 15 days on average above 35 degrees every summer. So we racked up nine of them in December. Using the Norlunga site, our mean maximum temperature was 2.8 degrees above average, which is a um, huge variation. Um, when we're talking about weather records, a variation of half a degree is quite significant. So when you're saying that the, the December was 2.8 degrees above average at Norlunga, that is a, a, a radical difference to what it would normally be. And December's hot weather had vines showing signs of water and heat stress, some wilting and um, some premature leaf loss. And this was much earlier in the season than you would normally see it. And um, if you have, haven't had the chance to look at the printed CropWatch vintage report, there's a, a couple of photos of there showing the, the visitor centre Shiraz block at the end of December. And then those photos are repeated um, through uh, January and February. And I'd argue that the photo at the end of December, the vines look in far poorer condition than what they actually did at picking. So you can really see the vines took a beating from um, that extreme uh, burst of hot weather in December. That weather, of course, was actually what created, um, what triggered bushfires that we saw in the eastern states 
and also uh, on um, in the Adelaide Hills, the Cudley Creek fire that started um, uh, in, I think it was December 22nd. And the fires on Kangaroo Island started on December the 22nd as well. And also um, uh, we saw, you know, that widespread, like, kind of uh, widespread hot air just stay on the centre of Australia and create many temperature records. Um, if you, Yeah, there was a lot of talk on the ABC about the temperatures in places in the Nullarbor just being, you know, 50 degrees and, and really, really nasty period of weather that we experienced. Then came what I feel was, was the, the most um, critical event this season that, um, I guess, helped our vintage be what it was. The Northern Australian um, wet season was much later in beginning than was typical. Um, and it, it, it um, the first, uh, I think they call it the um, Northern, uh, Northern Tropical Low Pressure System. So the first, the first Northern Tropical Low Pressure System crossed um, into Australia on the 3rd of January. And that was followed up by the the official monsoon monsoon season starting up. I think it started on they called it on Australia Day, so the twenty sixth. But what that caused was um, the predominantly hot, dry air that had been resting over Australia through December was displaced and pushed away by um, air that was much uh, lower pressure with more water. And was cooler, and that had a had a real cooling effect on the southern states. Um, in January, we had cooler than average days and nights. We had thirteen consecutive days below thirty degrees. That was from the fifteenth to the twenty seventh, and this was the longest such run in January since ninety two, and it was the longest um, overall in summer since um, December. 2008. So it was an uncommonly low run below 30, which gave our vines a chance to rehydrate, to recover from the water stress damage that they were really showing at the end of December. And it um, it was kind of a salvation, I guess I'd call it. It was it was unexpected to get those those weather to, to be able to go from a, a, a December that was far, far hotter than average and all of a sudden get a January that was much lower than average um, seemed to come a little bit out of nowhere and it was it was an interesting phenomenon that was caused by that late starting tropical season. The um, didn't mean there was no hot weather in January because January started very hot because we, we had um, a huge flare up in the fires on Kangaroo Island on January the 3rd. It was a very hot day in, in McLaren Vale. And the last day of um, January was also extremely hot. Um, and it was a humid day as well, which 
um, seem to have some very uh, unexpected effects on vines. Um, we'd had this nice cool period and allowed them to recover, but that, that one sharp day at the end of January, which was which was a day that hit 40 and was quite, quite humid, um, seemed to cause um, some vineyards to prematurely drop their crop. Um, Again, if you if you get the chance to look at the crop watch um, printed report, or even go back and have a look at some of the reportage around that time, um, the symptoms that it caused on on um, Shiraz looked very similar to bunch stem necrosis, um, except that it tended not to be um, uh, not to be. Um, caused like on one spot on the racky, it tended to be parts of bunches that withered. So the symptoms I wouldn't say were bunch stem necrosis um, visually. They were similar. They were more like the vines wilted and were unable to um, stay hydrated through that late January period. There may also have been a problem uh, with um, salinity having built up in the soil because we were irrigating a lot harder earlier this season. We had a lot higher evaporation rates. And that tends to to uh, tends to lead to the build-up of um, sodium and chloride in your soil earlier than normal. And, and perhaps that was a mitigating factor in causing some of this wilting. I hope we don't see a lot of that again. That is something that, that we do need to watch for because it's very economically damaging. Um, it's a case of, you know, if you're dropping 15% of your crop, and there were there were many vineyards, um, particularly on heavy black cracking Biscay soil down through um, White's Valley and Aldinga towards the sea, um, if you're dropping 15% of your crop in one day, that's a very, very black day. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be profitable if you're losing, you know, losing crop just to uh, one or two hot days. The trend of weather continued through February being, you know, being cooler. And actually the start of February, we had a, a monsoonal rain band actually move into South Australia. And um, our region got between 10 and 20 mils. Sorry, got between... Got, had between 20 and 30 mils at the start of February. Langon Creek had 70 millimetres in that one rain event, which for Langon Creek is a lot of water in one day. That's, that's a big rain event in 24 hours. Um, it's nearly a record. I think they've only had a couple of days going back. Um, one was in the 1940s and one was in the um, 90s that they had more rain than that in one day in February. Like It's, it's a lot of rain. Um, the Mount Lofty Ranges tends, tend to shield the McLaren Vale region from, from hot tropical storms because they come down from the north and they kind of do tend to fall on the Murray Bridge side of the uh, Mount Lofties rather than our side. And that factor, plus the fact that our fruit was not particularly ripe, um, made most, most berries swell up but not split. Um, that was very welcome because at the time, again, it looked like 30 mils of rain when you're at Verizon would, would cause berry splitting. But because Verizon was a little bit late, 
because uh, January had been a bit cool. Um, vines were still fundamentally, the berries were still fairly um, green and hard, and berry splitting was quite uh, quite low. It was only a very only a few percent in the worst vineyards. Whereas that amount of rainfall, if it fell on on a crop that was um, uh, 10, 11, 12 bome would probably you know, cause a lot more splitting. We've seen that in previous years that those kind of tropical rain events, if they're ill-timed, um, can cause a lot of trouble. Also, we were actually very uh, very lucky that there was n- almost no botrytis developed from uh, this uh, rain event. Uh, finishing up, talking about February... The very last um, point to note was it is the first February that the Norlunga weather station ever recorded that didn't have a day above 35 degrees. Um, So that's 20 years that didn't have a day above 35 degrees. I had to go back and look at um, the weather from the Adelaide Airport weather station and I found only one... February, it was in the 1980s, I think it was 1984, that didn't have a day above 35 degrees. So not having a day above 35 in February is very rare. Generally speaking, um, obviously the longest day of the year with the most amount of sunlight is January the 20th, which has a sort of a warming effect on the land. Um, So generally you see the hottest part of the year being after January the 20th leading through into, say, the middle middle to late February. But we did not see that this year. We um, saw the opposite, in fact, where early summer, December, was a hotter month than February. So it was like the inverse of what we would normally expect. Moving on to March and, and grape harvest, um, March was very dry. And because March was very dry... We didn't really have a lot of issues with picking. Um, picking was um, smooth. There wasn't um, a real threat of any botrytis from that earlier rain event in, in the start of February. So um, as a grape grower and as a winemaker, you had a, the pressure was off your logistics. You had, you had a chance to kind of pick fruit when you needed it. And we had a nice five-week period where our fruit came off. It came off... Um, it came off a little bit later than average. Probably most sites were t- about 10 days later than average. Most of the crop watch sites were, um, again, between a week and 14 days later than um, average to go. So it was a, a little bit later, cooler vintage without rain, which um, allowed uh grape growers and winemakers to, to make that process go as smooth as it could possibly go. Now, the best thing of all was while we only had um, less than 10 millimetres of rainfall for March, literally almost as soon as grape picking stopped at the start of April, we started getting rain. Um, and our um, autumn in 2020 has been... Um, much higher than average. I haven't done the exact um, uh, calculations on everything yet because it's only just finished. Um, but certainly we had um, 
April and May both have more than 100 millimetres of rain in them, which those two months themselves um, are generally about 60 mil months. So you can see that on average we just bang, got there, got there by quite a lot. Um, we're starting our winter in a much better place than we'd started um, any of the last sort of four or five years because we're, uh, we're already getting some runoff. The creeks, whilst they're not running in McLaren Vale yet, certainly Meadows Creek, which is um, up uh, around the Kaipo region, is already running. And um, we are expecting to get quite a lot of follow-up rain. Uh, the projections are for us to get a further 300 mils of rain um, with uh, June, July and then August being um, likely to be wetter than average. So we could, you know, theoretically see um, five months in a row with more than 100 mils of rainfall. I'm not saying we're going to get that, but if we did, that is a real change to the to the recent seasons we've been having um, wait and see if that happens um but we're certainly off to a very good start with both april and may having more than 100 mils that's that's an excellent start um to late autumn and it's really hopefully going to set up the 2021 vintage there's one last um little piece to talk about uh, when we summarise the vintage. Um, you'll see the official figures for tonnages come out very soon. Uh, I feel that much of that tonnage was explained by the fact that we had some tough weather conditions during flowering. And then in early um, December, we had a, a much higher amount of stress on vines than would be typical which I think's really pulled the, the crop down for the year. You could also argue that because we've had um, three generally fairly dry seasons in a row, that you're seeing the, the compound effect of having some dry seasons in a row sort of drop the fertility and drop the, drop the vigour of our vines and sort of drop the crops naturally. We were very lucky in McLaren Vale that um, we were not widely smoke affected um, from the bushfire events that did occur. Uh, McLaren Vale Great Wine and Tourism commissioned testing of the fruit from the CropWatch weather stations, which is the first time that that's ever been, been done on, on behalf of all the grape growers. Now, obviously, this, um, this uh, testing wasn't able to help people... Uh, before picking because the results take quite a bit of time to come back but what they will uh, help people with and everyone in the wine industry whether in, involved in grape growing wine making or wine marketing is if you're ever getting questioned about oh what did the bushfires do it seemed from the results that um, there wasn't sufficient evidence of smoke exposure in any grape samples that Grape Wine and Tourism submitted, and it was highly unlikely that the, the wine that's going to be made from those grapes will have any smoke-related issues. So I think that will give people some confidence if they are getting um, 
they are getting sort of some pushback in the market or they like very you can very quickly answer people and go well no we're lucky in our region um, that smoke taint um, doesn't appear to be an issue uh, we've been very fortunate um, and that we can have some confidence in the kind of wine that we're going to put out from vintage 2020 well thanks for listening um, Hope you picked up a little bit out of that. As always, if you're interested in in specific questions, you can ask Rachel, whose voice you'll hear at the end of this um, presentation at um, Great Wine and Tourism. You can contact her as grower, G-R-O-W-E-R, at mclarenvale.info. Thank you for all your support this season and uh, good luck. Let's, Let's keep that rain coming. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the McLarenvale Grape Wine and Tourism Association, supporting growers in the McLarenvale wine region.